story brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your host, Johnny T. And today, my guest is Sonia Joy Mack. She's a medical professional, the founder lead life coach of Live Joy Life, and author of the book, This Changes Everything When Death No Longer Has the Final Say. She's experienced grief, two complicated childbirths, intense physical pain, and some very real doubts about her faith. But ultimately, God would show her that through it all, he had bigger plans and purpose for her life. Sonia, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. It's my honor to be here. It's great to have you here. That intro alone begs a whole bunch of questions. So let's start with your faith. Was that something that you grew up with or was that something that you learned in your teenage years or later in life? Yeah. So I often call myself faith by heart, meaning that I, my parents kind of went to church when I was younger, but my mom, she always just had this faith in God and Jesus. But she herself didn't, she actually almost felt like unworthy of her faith is kind of a funny way of, like she wasn't doing it right, like she wasn't good enough at it. And so because she wasn't felt that way, and then she felt like she couldn't just go to church like everybody else, she was afraid she was judged. So I actually would say that my faith really started when I was in fourth grade, and I went to like a church lock-in with a friend of mine, and I met a, a woman who was my parents' age. And she just kind of lit Jesus on fire for me. Like I, Mm. when she introduced me to Jesus, I was like, okay, this, this is some real stuff. And really from that moment on, even as a young kid, I was like, okay, mom, going to church, like you and me, I don't know what's (laughs) keeping us from going, but we're going. And especially as I got older and into high school, like I would drive us to church, we would go. And and that really filled a lot of the need that she had too, which I think, as I'm sure will come out later in our conversation, but as her health was failing, then that faith was really strong. And so I feel really blessed that I got to be a part of that from such a young age. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. It makes me think of the scriptures says, let the little children come unto me. And there's just, there's so much there. There, That childlike faith, we just, we need that ourselves. We need to look at God that same way. There's nothing impossible for him. He's so big. He can do whatever he wants. All we yes. have to do is ask. All those kind of things that we tend to complicate by being adults. Yes, yes. And it's so funny that you say that. I guess that was such a great question because until you asked it, I don't think I ever put it in that aspect. But now that you've said it that way, I'm like, gosh, yeah, why we do all need to go back to childlike faith. And I do see that in my kids too, but yeah, that's a, it's a beautiful way of saying it. I know you talked a little bit about your mom's health. Maybe you can expand on that a bit and, and how your faith interacted with your mom and helped her through that. Yeah, sure. So my mom was diagnosed with ALS or Gehrig's disease in 2005. And that really rocked my faith. Of course, my mom was my best friend. I had a lot of plans for the future. At that point, I was only 24. I was in the midst of going to physician assistant school, didn't have any kids. I wasn't even married yet. And so, of course, you ask a lot of why questions when stuff like that happens. And there was about two years after my mom was diagnosed, by then I was married, still no kids, but I was sitting up in one of the rooms in my house And it wasn't an audible, but it was very like to the depths of my soul. I could hear the Holy Spirit tell me something big or something different. 
And I had no idea what it meant. And of course, I'm like, what do you mean something bigger, something different? Like I'm dying here, literally, right? Like my emotion, my soul. But I would just hold on to that for years. And then in 2010, so five years after she was diagnosed, my mom passed away. And there was even, I guess I don't speak of this often, but the Holy Spirit's telling me to bring it up. So there was even a point, my mom lived on a ventilator for the last two years of her life. She lived in our childhood home. My dad took really good care of her. But at one point, she was very, she couldn't really talk. She was in a lot of pain and she had kind of just decided that she didn't want the ventilator anymore. And so as the enemy does, of course, after my mom passed, I always say she's shared more faith from that hospital bed than I have seen from most people in my life. Just someone, I mean, who for people who don't know, ALS takes away the ability of someone to use all of their muscles. Like if you can control the muscle with your brain, ALS will take it away. So talking, speaking, mm-hmm. breathing, walking, all of the things. So here it had taken this very vibrant, loving, like social, everybody loved my mom, woman to gradually, I just considered it like a candle melting away. She just over time could use less and less and less. But still people would come out from the church to visit her and friends would come out and and just the stories I would hear from that. But still at the very end, she just got sick enough and an ALS kind of took over enough that she just kind of felt like that was enough. She didn't want the ventilator anymore. So as the enemy often does, after my mom passed, he started to give me these doubts about, well, did your mom really go to heaven? Mm-hmm. Even though like in my heart, I knew that she went, I mean, she was such a beautiful soul and all the lives she changed. So it was about maybe a year after she passed, I picked up a book randomly, right? I'm using finger quotes for this. Yeah, that's right. right? Randomly at a used bookstore that my husband and I like to go to. And I picked up this very fiction book that was in the clearance section, not any specific author I'd ever read. And as I was reading it one day at work, there was a line in there. A girl had lost her mom. Of course, it's a very interesting book. So I'm like really into it. A girl had lost her mom and she was talking to an older woman about it. And the woman had a line that said, you don't have to worry about your mom. She went to heaven to be with Jesus. And I was like, "Ugh, thank you, God. To this day, I still have that book with that line underlined. And it's just, you take this incredibly painful, hard moment and I'm holding on to this feeling of something big or something different, which God would eventually show me down the road. But in the meantime, he just gives you these little nuggets every once in a while, even when you're doubting him. Like Mm -hmm. he loves us so much that he's giving us these nuggets, even when we're doubting him and when we're doubting our own faith. Yeah, there's, there's so much truth in that. We all face struggles and trials and different things. And we can never tell anybody that being a Christian is an easy walk because, I mean, that's an outright lie. As soon as you step across that line into Jesus' world, the enemy gets upset, right? And all kinds of things come. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hear it a lot and I've seen it a lot where through the really big struggles and even through what would from the outside seem a small struggle, but to us seems like a huge struggle, God is faithful. And he'll, like you said, like that that one coincidental, and I'm using finger quotes, coincidental mm-hmm. book that you picked mm-hmm. up, God has us come right across that line and, and there it is. He'll speak to us through all those things. And I think it's challenging sometimes for people to 
not only accept that God would do that, like to lift them out of the misery or the pain that they're feeling, but to accept it and to sometimes accept it from the weirdest places or the weirdest people. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and, and I think that's how the Holy Spirit works. And uh, but it's just an incredible feeling when you when it when it hits you, you're like, oh, okay, that's that's from God. That's the Holy Spirit right there. And then also in the same aspect, right, learning to recognize when the enemy's picking at your head and put on the helmet, right, that that the Bible talks about and the shield and and pulling up your sword and yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Now, as you were learning and starting to understand that there was something bigger. You faced a few more challenges with the birth of your kids, right? Yes. Yes. So my, not only did I not, of course, when you're a a woman, you always, well, I shouldn't say always, but if you have a good relationship with your mom, you want your mom there when you have your children. So I, I didn't have that. My first child was born blue. She had to go up to the NICU within hours after being born, was there for a week, had to get antibiotics, a bunch of different tests and things. And by the grace of God, she was able to come home after a week, but it was a very, very stressful time. My first baby, she had colic. I just, I didn't even, it's such a, I always laugh because sometimes people will be like, well, how much did your kids weigh? Or like, how long Mm. were they? Or what time were they born? And honestly, when you have traumatic births like that, you forget the little things because you're just trying to survive. And that would be my first one. And then when I was pregnant with my second one, Sophia is her name, I had this feeling the whole time that something wasn't going, that there was going to be something not quite right. And I prayed, of course, all the time, Lord, I just have this feeling. I don't know what it is. All the tests keep telling me everything's normal, but just I just felt like something wasn't going to be right. And there was about two weeks before she was born, my husband and I were at church and we happened to have a moment ourselves because my sister was watching our oldest one and we were just praying i was praying lord this baby's coming i just feel like something's not gonna be right and this woman that i'd never met waved me down at the end of church she's like bringing her hand and waving me down and then i'm like she must be talking to someone behind me she pulls me into a pew and she says god wants me to tell you something she's like have you been praying for something and i'm like already getting teary-eyed because I'm like, of course I have. She's like, God wants me to tell you something. He wants me to tell you that it's going to be his plan, not your plan, but everything's going to be okay. And I was like instantly just in tears because I Mm -hmm. knew that was confirmation that sure enough, something probably was going to not be right when she came out, but that I had to just, there you have to rely on that faith. And what a gift of this prophetic woman who would give me this message who's never met me before. So Sophia was born a couple weeks after that, and she had a congenital lung issue that was undiagnosable at her ultrasound because at that time it was so small. It's called congenital pulmonary airway malformation. Big, Mm. big words for Mm -hmm. what basically means on her right side of her lung, her bottom lobe was a huge cyst. And so every time she would breathe in, it was trapping air. And so she also had to go up to the NICU and was on a ventilator within hours after being born. And we didn't know if she was going to survive, but I had that word. I say I didn't know she was going to, yeah. yep, but we had that word. And then she ended up having major surgery when she was four days old to remove part of her lung. But again, by the grace of God, she came home two weeks later 
And now we still have things that we deal with a little bit with her. But if you were to look at her, just a person on the street, you would never know that she had all this happen and that we still go to physical therapy and those kinds of things. But I say all of that to say it really is these stories of God has a way of using our pain to give to give a purpose. Mm. And I've really started in my life asking the question, what, not why. So instead of like, why am I getting this God? What do you want me to do with it? And when you start asking what instead of why, you, then your brain starts to look and, and you start to see more about, oh, this I can help this person or this is what he wants me to do with it. And have you found that looking at, let's talk on a, on a personal scale here. So if we're looking at our pain, do you believe that, and I don't, I don't necessarily believe this, but that God would compartmentalize the what to that specific pain? Or would he use the pain as just an ignition point to launch you out into something bigger, as you said, that's not necessarily bound by the confines of that one pain type mm-hmm. of thing? Yeah, I, I, I really feel like there may be one specific incident, but I think a lot of times it's a culmination of a lot of different events. I mean, the book I wrote was, would never have happened if... First, my mom hadn't died. Second, my kids hadn't have had these issues that they had. So each in and of itself was a learning lesson that I could use. But then overall, like you said, I think that pain in general just has this something bigger, something different feeling and purpose when you put it in the hands of God. If we ultimately can have that faith that he is ultimately out for our good, you know, that the line in Romans 8.28 is one of my favorite because he will work all things together. Mm. He doesn't say all things are good. He says right. he'll work all things together for good. And I've held on to that for a really, really long time. It made me think when you were describing your daughter and how from the outside, people would never know by looking at her that she's had surgery when she was just a baby and, and things like that. And it made me think about the people we pass on the street every day. People look like people, but yet inside, there can be tremendous hurt and pain that they're carrying that we would never know about. So how would you reach out to those people? How would you help them along that journey? How would you create a, uh, I want to call it a safe space or a venue for them to reach out? Yeah, I think the number one suggestion I have for anybody who's hurting is to find I use the word mentor or SOS buddy or um, trusted friend, spiritual director, somebody, because the enemy wants to isolate, especially when we're going through something tough. And the first thing he's going to tell us is, who is this God of yours that would let you go through something terrible? And I can speak of this now, right? But of course, I was feeling these same things when I was going through all Mm -hmm. these big moments, even with the gift of the word from the woman in the church. I still, my journals are filled with why, even though now I'm learning more about what. But ultimately, it was having supportive people behind me who have either walked through something like that or were willing to walk through it with me, people at your church, somebody that can help you. That's ultimately number one. I actually am really leery ever of saying, just give it to God. Because when it's something that tough, like, is that even humanly possible sometimes Mm -hmm. to give it all over to him? I know for me, that's really tough because I'm a self-declared type A control freak. So (laughs) I'm learning as I get older not to be like that. But for some of us to relinquish complete control, it feels impossible. So it's, it's baby steps. But 
I think if you can find as part of the Live Joy Life, which was something that all came out through all this painful stuff, God gave me all these words in my journals, but faith, hope, and love, right? I call them foundational principles. So a lot of people who are hurting, it's either one of those three that if you can really dig into faith in God that he really does love you and he really does have a better reason for this, hope, because hopelessness comes really easy to people who are hurting. And then love, and that's what the love a lot of times too is just being able to love yourself sometimes or knowing that God's loving you or finding someone who loves you enough to walk through it with you. I love those kinds of things. So those are kind of the words I give to people who come to me and kind of ask like, how can I use this pain or or that might share with me kind of on a more intimate level that they are hurting and they're not sharing that with everybody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, and I think you're right too. One of the biggest hurdles is when you've experienced rejection or pain or trauma or something like that in your life, it can be a real challenge to really tangibly understand the love of God. You can read right. about it, the Bible, but yet those barriers are there. What, what would you say to people that find that right now? They're believing God, they're searching for God, but yet there's something there that's kind of held them for years. What would you say to them How would they break through that? What would be a key to really, really, truly knowing that God loves them? Mm -hmm. Well, for anyone who has children, I often, this I've used myself. Like even when my child is really sad or really just naughty, (laughs) you know (laughs) what I mean? There's still this profound love that I have for them underneath all of it. And when I am able, when a parent is able to kind of look at the relationship they have with their child from a perspective of, oh, this is how God feels about me. Like, Mm -hmm. even when I'm not doing all the things right or I'm really difficult to deal with, or I call it uh, throwing a spiritual hissy fit, which I do a lot, (laughs) he still loves me, right? And again, that's, I can't repeat it enough, but finding someone who can walk through that with you because it's a hard lesson. It's a hard thing to learn when you, especially if you're feeling completely unlovable to believe that. But the other thing I would say is, gosh, just start digging into the Bible, right? Like Mm -hmm. how many times does he tell us he loved us and talk about how much he loves us and how many faith verses are there in the gospels that you, that's one thing that really got me through more recently. I had a, a medical diagnosis and I just went through the Bible and underlined every verse about healing and faith and that because it puts tangible words to something. And then when you are in your day, just repeating them over and over and over again, because again, we talk about how the enemy likes to attack you, especially when you're down. So if you have a mm. defense, a comeback for him, which is the word of God, then I think it starts to sink in more just surrounding yourself with positivity and people who are declaring that to you and the words and repeating it and all of that really just helps kind of dig into that. Mm-hmm. So if people want to find out more about uh, Live Joy Life, where would they go? Yeah, sure. My website's probably the, the best place to learn about that, which is just sonyajoymack.com on there. My dear friend, Lindsay and I, we have live local events. I'm from Des Moines, Iowa. So we do some live local women's ministry events called Soul Sisters Unscripted, which really delves into that building God-sized dreams, letting that kind of flow out. And then I, so as I went through these very painful moments and then had the idea for my book and wrote This Changes Everything, 
And I realized at first people would come to me in for grief because my book is, I call it not the average grief book. It's really a reminder that um, even though we've lost someone that we love so much, we never have to live without them. And so I would get all these people coming to me and I realized I'm like, okay, I'm definitely not a grief counselor. That is not like my thing. Grief is heavy. And thank the Lord that there are people who are willing to walk through that Mm -hmm. with others. But it really was this like, okay, I still really want to help people with all these lessons that I downloaded from God when I was going through all these really tough spots. And so that's where then the Live Joy Life came from. And so with that, then I decided to get a life coaching certificate. And so I I do that as part of the life coaching now on the side. Cool. Okay. Last question. What's the one thing you would tell people about God? That's a great question. What's the one thing I would tell about God? He always has something bigger, something different planned for you. Whether it's your mountaintop moments or your valley moments, there's something bigger and something different planned. And all you have to do, I say all you have to do, but really just continuing to build that relationship with him and continuing to say yes to him. And that is what will really move you forward. But yeah, just believing that he loves you enough that he created you for a purpose and he has something bigger planned for you. Amen. A lot of truth in that. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been a real pleasure talking to you and God bless you all you do. Thank you so much. God bless you for doing what you do. Amen.
enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.